0: DJ and PK, it's 97.5 at 1280 The Zone. David Nixon, BYU TV football analyst, former BYU linebacker. Joining us now on the T-Mobile special guest line. T-Mobile and Sprint are coming together to build the best wireless company around. Visit T-Mobile.com for online services and local store availability. David, good morning. DJ, how's it going? It's going well. You better say hello to PK or he's going to haunt you the whole interview. Well, here's the thing. With PK,
1: I never know if he's on or not. He's always doing remote stuff from his houses. He's out golfing. I never know if he's co-hosting or if he's just taking another day off.
2: Wow. Another day off. What am I, a retired NFL player?
0: (laughs) Oh, nice. You're an entrepreneur. Uh, Hey, do you know what his his nickname for Lone Peak High is? Have you ever heard that?
1: No, I should know because I got my nephews that play there. What is it? BYU Hit him, Alpine. Him. <laughs> <laughs> Solid. It's fitting as well.
0: <laughs> BYU Alpine. That always cracks me up. All right, let's get to BYU Provo. And I think the thing that most people want to know about the Houston game, you know, is a nice start and they're up 14-3 and Houston takes control of the game. And a year ago, I think most people agree, BYU loses that game. Do they turn that around because they have more talent? they turn that around because they have more experience, than they've been in that situation? Are they turning that around because they're better coached or because there's more trust between the coaches and the players and they can all pull together, you know when the game's hanging in the balance? Or does it really go to some, some basic flaws with Houston and it was a good matchup for BYU and they just they cashed in on those and in another situation against another team, they wouldn't have gotten it done. How many of those things are true? Which are most important? Why did that game turn around? Because that was weird to give up a 23 unanswered points and then score 29 unanswered points.
1: Yeah, I think it's literally I think it's a testament to kind of all of what you mentioned in the sense that we've seen this BOU team, in fact the same thing you have against UTSA, where they were struggling. And, and a BOU team in the past might just fold. Uh, but this team with the veteran leadership that they have, uh, and I think what they understand what they have on the line, I think these guys rallied around each other at halftime, uh, they, and they're specifically in the fourth quarter and just said enough is enough. Um, but I really have to give credit, I mean, I think Kalani and his staff have taken a lot of heat over the years, uh, you know, specifically what we've talked about, the bad losses they've had uh, the last two or three years. I think they deserve a lot of credit in this game, uh, particularly on the defense side of the ball, and it's been well noted now, but BYU switched to man defense, uh, man-to-man defense, man defense there in the second half. It completely shut down uh, the Houston offense. I mean, you've seen the stat. Five drives. Their last five drives that Houston had, they produced eight total yards. I mean, it's just incredible. It's incredible what BYU is able to do. Um, and a lot of it was due to, to man-to-man defense. I went back and watched the whole second half in particular, the whole, the whole game defensively. Uh, but I, I paid close attention to that second half. And they went man-to-man on the outside. You saw Chris Wilcox. Um, Defeating their best receiver, Stevenson. But then what happened is they kept the linebackers, that comboed the running backs. So they kept them inside the box, which is what was hurting BYU in the first half. The linebackers were having to walk outside the box uh, to be able to get to their zone drops. And doing so, Houston was able to gas him with the run. So uh, the, the adjustment second half was go man-to-man, bring the backers inside the box, go to a four-man front. So they took out Max Tooley, who was kind of that fourth uh, defensive end, and, you know, the defensive end, that fourth down lineman and substitute him with Alvin Topa, who's a true defensive end, and that made a huge difference as well. So, got to give credit to the coaches. I know this is something that uh, a lot of B O E fans give him plaque for, is they struggle to make adjustments during the game. Uh, and it was nice to see and very refreshing to see him go out there and make that big-time adjustment to switch to man. Uh, and you saw Kalani mention the post game. He goes, listen, a lot of people around here say that BOE can't run man-to-man. He's like, well, we proved that wrong tonight. You could tell he was a little bit of a chip on his shoulder uh, that, they, uh, that he was he, with him making that comment. Uh, but it worked, and to his credit, it worked. And here's the thing, going forward for this BYU defense in particular, if you're an opposing offensive coordinator, good luck, right? I mean, now now you've got to face BYU zone defense that we know has produced produce results, the whole drop eight, but also they've shown on film they can they can uh, roll out a man-to-man defense and be effective at that as well. So uh, credit to the coaches, credit to the players for, for sticking with it, because obviously on the road uh, against a tough Houston team, it's it's easy to get down and just kind of melt mail, mail in and Pack it in and call it good. But the team bounced back, like you said, uh, you know, 29 non points. I don't care who you're playing against. That's pretty impressive to rally off that many many points in a row.
2: What does a healthy Chris Wilcox mean for this defense?
1: Man, it's huge. Uh, Watching him, I mean, I think that's one of the main reasons that he, uh, you know, they were able to go man-to-man. There's a guy who's a veteran guy who sat out last year because of injury. Um, was there with the team, you know, trying to provide that leadership while during his injury, but also watching film. Uh, and this is a guy who's long. I mean, he's he's six two six three, but very long. Uh, and and it's tough. I mean, if you're a receiver, if you're under six three. Good luck. And you saw the way that he, he he positioned positioned his body there on the sidelines and drew that offensive pass interference. Uh, the very next play, they went out of again, uh, and and he came up with a big PBU. So uh, it's huge, and I think. Once again, coming into the season, we knew that with POU, right? I mean, Chris Wilcox was still nursing his injury, but you had Chris Wilcox at corner. You had Troy Warner, a senior at safety. You had Zane Anderson, a senior at safety. Uh, and then, of course, you've heard about all these young kids coming through, including now Micah Harper, the freshman that unfortunately got thrown out because of uh, targeting, which I think is a bogus call. But, uh, you know, he's, he's all of a sudden risen up in the last few weeks and played tremendously on the outside of the corner and very physical. So, that secondary, that's something at that BYU typically we can't say, right? Uh, usually our, our, we don't have the best secondary in there. We're not known to be one of the stronger units on the team, but that's how it is this year with that senior leadership, and you've got bona fide athletes back there.
0: So more surprised by young guys stepping up there or more surprised by young guys stepping up at tight end?
1: Well, I mean, Micah Harper is – I love watching him play because he's a kid who's a freshman. He's not afraid to come up in the box and hit. I mean, there's been a couple bubble screen plays – couple of five sweeps where uh, he comes flying in from this corner position and he's laying the wood. And it's been fun to watch him uh, come up and, and force the run. Uh, but I'll tell you with that tight end position, I mean, those guys, credit to those guys for stepping up when Matt Bushman went down. Um, and I think they've kind of risen. Isaac Rex, you know, of course, look at, at uh, Mason Wake. I mean, he's kind of that hybrid fullback tight end position. But, um, you know, that, that, those guys have stepped up as well. And it's been fun to watch those guys. I mean, you saw Isaac Rex come, come down with a big play. Uh, on that reverse flea flicker back to Zach Wilson, uh, they, they they went for a huge gain down towards the goal line. So um, you know, credit to them. Like I said, for stepping up. I mean, that's that's BYU football, right? You you got to have a tight end. That's that's how the BYU's offense typically works. You got to have a strong tight end. And when you do, you look at the offenses in the past for BYU. When you have a strong strong tight end, and obviously the offense can roll from there. Uh, and and that's what's happened this year. You've got guys that are stepping up, and it's been fun to watch. I mean, this offense is clicking. I and mean, here's the thing the reason it's clicking you've got a guy in Zach Wilson who is just so far along with with his mental game uh, but he in the fact that he doesn't miss a lot of reads and and he's finding his open receivers and sometimes their windows are very small and he's still finding a way to fit the ball in there I mean 25 to 35 for 400 yards uh, it's impressive and it's, he's not only is he doing it against Houston but he's doing it week in week out I think that's why now you're seeing the national hype behind him but um it's fun, it's fun to see him at quarterback. He's making smart decisions, 12 touchdowns, one interception on the whole season, which is obviously a phenomenal ratio. Usually you want to see 4-1, to one and, and he's obviously well past that. What type
2: of concern do you have on the short yardage situations because that wasn't very good? Yeah,
1: it was bad. That was real bad. Um, it was frustrating because when BYU went for the fourth and one on the goal line, they went with uh, – they hit it off to Mason wake and he, there was no lead blocker and they tried to force it inside. As you mentioned where BYU was not having success. And and when you go back and watch the film, Houston was doing a good job of submarining. So on the hike of the ball, uh, Houston defenders would just cut out BYU's offensive line's legs. Typically that's a sign of, listen, I can't beat you straight up, man to man. So I've got to do something to take your legs out and create a pile here. uh, That then my backers can flow and clean up the mess. Uh, And so, I don't know why BYU tried to continue to stick with that inside run, especially because earlier in the game, Lapini Katoa scored on a touchdown, which was outside stretch play. And so uh, I don't know why they, they felt like they need to go back to the well on that inside play, inside zone, and uh, inside lead. But I, I would have, if, if you go with that play, just, just give it to Algier, who's a, obviously a strong back, and lead Mason Wake up and get that extra blocker. But don't give it to him, try to catch him off guard. So – uh, you know, later in the game, they went to the outside screen play, screen game to Dax Mill, where we've seen where they motion him in, uh, and then it's just easy, you know, the under center going off to the side, and he transits in for a touchdown. They block it up well. So uh, they started to attack the edges later in the game, but on that on that one uh, series, when they kept going back to that inside run and it just didn't work, it, it was baffling that that was their play call on fourth down. So, listen – Players, there's a lot of things they get to learn. Uh, You know, watching film, I think coaches do the same thing. I think they'll go back and say, listen, against Houston in particular, it didn't work. And so obviously it's not working against somebody else in the future. We got to abort and uh, go another direction.
0: Our defense is going to sell out to stop Dax Mill now. 184 yards. That's just a huge number.
1: I mean, that's the crazy thing about this offense, right? I mean, for the first few weeks, it was Gunnar Romney. We got to sell out the stock, stop Gunnar Romney. And then of course Gunnar goes down with a, with a hamstring. Uh, I think he's going to be okay. It was what we're hearing, but uh, I think it was more of a tweak than a pool, but uh, you know, you, you got him and also Dax Milne steps up and goes off uh, for 180 plus yards. And so, uh, you know, I, I think with this offense and with Zachary in particular, the way he's distributing the ball, it's tough to go, you know, focus in on one guy. I mean, I think in this game, you had eight different receivers uh, that he that he's able to get the ball to, uh, and so this goes to show you that okay, you want to double team Dax on the outside, great. Then I'll find Wake or I'll find Rex um, or I'll find Neil Pau or whoever else is left, right? And I think that was the thing. Uh, in, in Credit to Zach is is Houston dared BYU to, to throw the ball, and they they at certain times they lined up eight, nine, ten guys in the box. Uh, and going back to your question earlier. Um, Pk, they, that's what they did on the short yard situation. They had literally ten guys in the box, which is insane. And of course, BYU had was in thirteen personnel, and they had it in their packed in tight. But uh, still, crazy. That's they're they're you know trying to dare you to throw the ball. And so now you fast forward to the game, and Dax would have one on one on the outside repeatedly, and and Dak made him pay. And that's what you do. I mean, you watch that, you, you watch Dax Mill's release and his route running. Uh, it's pretty spectacular, and the way that he's able to stack the DB. So he. He beats him on his release, but then he stacks him. So the DB is now on his com- completely on his back. He's not on his hip, but he's on his back, uh, which allows Dax to really control it. He can slow down and create some separation for the ball, which is what happened on that third and 15. Um, and so he's just a savvy route runner. And, uh, you know, and, and once again, Dax realizing he's got one-on-one on the outside. He had some confidence in Dax. They've got that relationship, as we know. And uh, and he, he was delivering dimes throughout the night. So, it's a tough offense. Yeah, pick your poison right now uh, because if all of a sudden you, you keep two safeties high, uh, then, then you've got a lighter box and then you start to gash them with the run. So um, right now this offense is clicking. It's, it's pretty fun to watch.
2: So probably collectively over the course of the season, BYU is receiving as much love and attention nationally uh, since the the days of bronco when he had that phenomenal streak of four consecutive seasons of double digit wins and we're discussing scheduling you know should they go easy or easier anyway but what does that do for recruiting because kids want to play big name games big name opponents and all that stuff so i don't know if there's an easy just definitive black and white answer but what are your
1: thoughts I think there's a happy medium. I mean, obviously this year, BYU, uh, the schedule they're playing currently is, is not what, at least what I would not want to see moving forward uh, for, you know, to BYU scrap all the P5s and just stick with a G5 only type schedule. It is fun to be nationally ranked, but once again, even this year, the whole rankings is funky because, of, you know, the Big Ten and Pac-12 aren't playing currently. And so, you know, you can't take too much uh, credit into into what that looks like. But, I would say there's a half a medium. I think playing six, seven AP fives is, is a little too much, um, uh, you know, week in, week out. Here's the thing that, that's tough is look at Tom Homo. When he scheduled, for example, the Minnesota game this year, obviously he's not being played, but when he did schedule it, Minnesota, and this was six or seven years ago, was just kind of a mid-tier, actually probably lower-tier uh, Big Ten school. But then all of a sudden they get P.J. Fleck, and, and uh, he's got, he all of a sudden recruits some great players, and next thing you know, they're one of the top-tier Big Ten teams uh, finished in the top 25 last year. And so uh, it's tough from a scheduling standpoint for Tom Homo to go after some of these P5s thinking, okay, well, I'm going to do a couple big powerhouses like the Wisconsin, USC, the world. Uh, then I'm going to try to get some Tennessees in there as well. It's tough because any given year, <laughs> those teams, the, the teams that were bad can all of a sudden become some of the best teams. And next thing you know, you've, you've made your schedule that much tougher. So I would ideally like to see probably three or four, and obviously try to space them out, which I know is difficult given the fact that, you know, those guys are going on to have their own conference schedules, but I'd say three or four. And then you, then you get to Boise States and maybe get a couple Cincinnati's and then you kind of finish it up with some more cupcakes. I mean, I think a well-balanced uh, schedule is it because if you abort the whole, if, you know, if, if you discard the whole P five schedule, then like you said, uh, you know, the, the kids aren't going to want to come because you tough to recruit with that. Uh, and then second of all, of course, BYU—they want to be in a P5 program, and so uh, you, their whole purpose is to go out there show they can compete with the big boys. And so, if you're not—if you don't have those guys on your schedule, then uh, you can't show the country that you deserve to be in a, in a P5 conference. So, you've got to find a happy medium. But I do think seven or eight, guys, you know, P5s a year is, is a little too much, and it's just—it's just too tough for—for for, I think BYU at its current state. I mean, once again, if you get into a P5 conference. Uh, then you can start to recruit to that. But in the meantime, you're kind of in this no-man's land, which makes it pretty difficult.
0: What's your sense of BYU fans? Would they show up for the lighter schedule? I mean, this year attendance doesn't really matter. It's limited or there's none at all, and we all understand this is different. But in a quote-unquote normal year, would people show up to see Texas State or UTSA?
1: Hey, as long as you're winning and you're ranked, yes. And I think that's the biggest thing is you got to go out there and win, right? like Al David said win baby win I mean that's what it comes down to you, you've got to go out there and take care of business and and if you are ranked 12th in the country then you know this week I, with only 6,000 fans I think I've talked to a couple of people that have tickets and they're chomping at the bit to get to the stadium uh and it's Texas State a one in five team right so uh, if you're if you're winning and taking care of business in your range and you've got that buzz surrounding you I think people will come out to whatever game is there but if you have a losing record uh, and you're struggling and you and you can't score, as we've seen years past, against Wisconsin at home uh, and, and elsewhere, then, yeah, it's going to be tough to get any type of attendance. So uh, you just got to win. <laughs> you got to take care of business. And I think, fortunately, I think Kalani's got uh, these guys believing in themselves, and I think he's built uh, the program the way he wants to. I mean, keep in mind this offensive line, we've talked about this offensive line, and frankly, a lot of these players, because of the missions, a lot of these kids uh, that Kalani has recruited are just now becoming upperclassmen, and, and these are finally his recruits because it takes time, obviously, for kids to, to work through the system and go on missions, come home, redshirt, grayshirt, whatever it may be, and then finally contribute. So uh, he's he's finally getting his own guys in the positions he wants them to be in, and, and they're finally having some success. So, um, you know, I, I think for that reason, the program's heading the right direction. You know, it'll be interesting to see what happens with Zach if he leaves after this year. I think Jacob Conover. Uh, we, I saw seeing him out there in pregame uh, warming up. He's got a nice cannon. Uh, he looks good, so I think he's kind of the heir to the throne. Uh, Bailey Romney will probably have something to say about that if Zach does leave. But um, I think I think they're in a, in the right spot and in the right in a good position. i uh, moving forward. I think they've got some good talent, and um, they're now starting to. We talked about this a few weeks ago, right? You've got a lot of you had a lot of freshmen on this squad this year or excuse me, a lot of junior seniors that started as freshmen and, and, and now they've worked their way through and there were some growing pains with them as younger kids. But now you've got the program where you've got these freshmen sophomores that are getting some playing time and garbage time and they're learning. And now when they become upperclassmen, they'll be ready to come in and jump right in and not have to go through those same growing pains. So I think the program's headed in the right direction in that sense.
0: Well, David, we appreciate a few minutes. Thanks for joining us, and we will talk to you again next week. I like it. Sounds good. Take David Nixon, BYU TV football analyst, former BYU and NFL linebacker. When we come back, Riley Jensen, our college football insider. Riley played quarterback. How high a level is Zach Wilson playing at, and what does he think the NFL thinks of him? We'll get to that coming up. Stay with us.
3: Now let's get this party started.
0: This is Hans Olson and Scotty G on the Zone Sports Network.
1: From Athlon Sports, Brian Fisher. We all know that uh, they can start engraving Trevor Lawrence's name
2: on that Heisman Trophy right now, but with that said, could Zach Wilson be sitting next to Trevor when he accepts that trophy
0: in New York? I think so, and it's not just because of the outstanding play that that he's had on the field, but I think it also helps, really, that he's kind of gotten the spotlight to himself uh, You know, kind of this early part of the season, certainly being one of the few teams in the Mountain Time Zone itself to, to even be playing and able to make an impression on voters, and I think the way that he has been playing certainly qualifies him among the top three or four you know, most outstanding players in the country. And, and I think if they keep this up, if they maybe make it to that New Year's Six Bowl, I think they've got a real good chance. I think he can definitely finish as one of the finalists. And, uh, you know, that's credit to how well he's playing right now. Hanson Scotting. Scotty, weekdays from 10 to
1: 2 on 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network.
0: DJ BK, it's 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. So we just spoke with uh, a former Cougar, David Nixon. If they're winning, they'll show up, PK. Does that make you want to dumb the schedule down all the more? It's a tricky situation, man. Uh, I can't answer yes,
2: absolutely. But, I mean, he's right. Yeah, I mean, everybody loves a winner. And, you know, what would the situation be? The thing about it is it's unfortunate this year because I think they got a pretty good football team you know, last year they would have had this year's schedule probably would have been better, uh, and it's too bad. It's crazy they do these schedules so many years in advance when Tom put this schedule together days and weeks in advance. And if they can know, hey, we, basketball, you can do it to an extent. If you know you got a pretty good team, that you, you can load up a little bit more. And so this would have been the year, but if Zach Wilson leaves, you know, who's to say next year? who I don't know who's going to be the quarterback. I mean, he uh, David Nixon already mentioned Conover. Another kid from Arizona that I've heard a lot about in recent years. And can he step in? Or you know, you got Romney, and I'm not, I'm not sure what's going to happen with Hall as far as that goes. And you got that other soul j kid. So I can't tell you but it stands to reason there would be somewhat of a drop-off because Zach Wilson is playing as a high level. Maybe he comes back, and there's nothing really to worry about, and next year you want that big-time schedule, which you're going to have anyway. So I can't say, man, go down this road, go down that road, but we do know everybody loves a winner, and they're getting tons of publicity this year, and it's fun for the program because the program has not been – Worthy of getting tons of publicity in recent seasons, the last three seasons have been mediocre to awful, and now it's good to see that they're getting they're getting a lot of love. And we had Thamel on from Yahoo and. And uh, earlier this morning, in the wee hours, when I couldn't sleep, I read a big fat story that he did.
0: I'm in the middle on, of it right now. During the last yeah. break, I was right, reading. Well, you it. would know all the stuff
2: there. Yeah, I mean, you've heard of it. We've all heard of it yeah. with the John Beck and
0: his and, mom's and, uh, his mom's yeah. response when BYU offered. Yeah, I mean, <laughs>
2: we we've known all that stuff there. Uh, we're we're aware of that. And the one thing that they 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 quoted a Rod, as I understand, a Rod and Sataki had a lot to do. With getting Wilson to Provo.
0: DJ and PK, it's 97.5 and 12.80 the zone. Time to welcome in our college football insider, Riley Jensen. Riley, good morning.
3: Good morning, fellas. How's it going?
0: Good. I'm intrigued by how much and, – and you're in the middle of it because you do these Mountain West elite camps, and so coaches want your, kinda, your perspective as you deal with these guys, especially if you've dealt with them younger and you know their attitudes and you know how they've grown and evolved over time. And I'm curious, just like, as much as recruiting is more scientific because there's more film than ever, uh, how much of it is still a roll of the dice because – Jack Tuttle's getting offers from Utah and USC, and at the same time, Wilson isn't is just driving around trying to find somebody and does well at a camp at Boise State, and then eventually skips that offer and takes the BYU offer. And now, if you could redo things, Tuttle's at multiple schools, not playing, and Wilson's showing up top five uh, quarterback in the eyes of NFL teams. So. Is recruiting really getting that much better? Was it even a bigger roll of the dice?
3: I, I don't think it's getting that much better. Um, there's there's still a whole bunch of, uh, for lack of a better term, it's, there's a little bit of arrogance on the college level that they know better than high school coaches, right? So there's a little bit of like, look, as long as he's tall enough and as long as he has a strong enough arm, I'm gonna be able to teach him how to read defenses better than you guys can right so there's a there's a there's still a little bit of that so there's there's this whole eye testing like do they pass the eye test and one of the things that happened with with zach that i that I think is maybe one of the reasons why he didn't have as many p five offers as you would have thought that he would have um coming out of his senior year is he was extremely skinny for all the way up through his junior year. And part of the reason that he was skinny is because he was also playing basketball. And so when he's trying to lift weights where he can put on some of the bulk, he had from from basically like March to June to kind of like bulk up a little bit. And then basketball is playing all summer. Football is playing all summer. And it takes away from your ability to – to kind of work on your body well before his senior year he quits playing basketball he puts on not not significant weight but probably 15 15 pounds and it changed everything with him as far as the way that people viewed him and that's why he got a lot of late offers but at the quarterback position most quarterbacks are, are offered and slotted in after their junior year of film. It's it's not their senior year. And so the, coaches are still missing. If you would have asked me, if you would have asked me, like, hey, what do you think about Zach Wilson? I would have told you after his junior year, I'm really surprised he's not getting more offers. But the, the feedback or the thought was, like, ooh, I don't know if he can take the hits from a big-time team. I don't know if he has the frame that can handle these things. And it was all false. And, and and it's really because, to a lot of the coaches, he didn't pass the eye test of being kind of that physical specimen. Now, he's grown into that, and I think there's some things that, that have really helped him. But I think the difference, personally, between Jack Tuttle and Zach Wilson is sometimes – it's good not to get everything handed to you or offered to you right away, because if it if it's not the right kid, if it's not the Peyton Mannings of the world, who who realize that the work just begins when you get those offers, it can play games with your minds, like you like you deserve it or that you're entitled to this, you know, the, the blessing of playing in the NFL. I don't think Zach Wilson has ever had that mentality, nor has he ever been blessed with you know, all these awards or all these different things. Although on the high school level and in the Utah level, he was pretty much, you know, given everything that you would think. But there's been something there that has always kept him pushing. Like, I can't believe I didn't get offered by a certain school. I can't believe that the Pac-12 didn't really open up to me. And so I think that works on him, and he thinks about it all the time. And the hard work and the effort that's taken place since he got got to college has probably been much more than some of these other guys that had everything handed to them their whole life. And we're seeing the results of it now.
2: What I find fascinating in terms of talking about the recruitment of these quarterbacks is that some schools will only offer one. And it's like, uh, you know, you brought up Tuttle, and as we understand it, he wanted utah but he didn't want anybody else recruited utah says yes they pass on zach wilson surely they could have used zach wilson in their program no question then you look at sc right now to my knowledge they've got commitments out to many quarterbacks they've got commitments from two four-star kids Uh, This Garcia kid who's now in Georgia from the L.A. area trying to find a place to play. And then they got another commitment there from uh, another kid in California. And then we know they offered the Corner Canyon kid because he's been talking about it on Twitter. Uh, What is your philosophy as far as what works best from the college standpoint? Because why does some only say we're going to stick with you and that's it, even if it means overlooking a kid right down the street and other programs? Well, we'll take two or three or four commitments and then maybe we decide well we're actually only going to sign one or two of them
3: yeah i think i think there's this whole there, there's a real difficulty in in offering and meaning what you say and say what you mean and i think the university of utah you know they, they try to take the high road they try to do it right they tried to show their commitment to a kid and it obviously didn't work out great um and then you have other places that are like and, and i and i i i have been looking at the usc situation just because i know of jackson dart and all that kind of stuff and i'm like why would they offer jackson dart right now well to me when you start offering more than one kid it means that you start watching it or you start watching another kid and you're like i don't I actually don't like the guy that we offered as much as the the new guy that we're offering. And so we're hoping that he'll decommit because we offered this other kid. Now, at USC, that might not work out. You might have to take two guys, or you might have to, like, make a hard decision and say, well, I know we offered you, but we're now taking that offer off the table. But they can save face by offering a new guy – and everybody going, Hey, I thought you were in love with me and and is kinda like, Yeah, I kinda changed my mind. Like I, I don't I don't want to date you anymore. And so it's it's just a really interesting I, I think coaches are in a little bit harder situation than than you would think. And especially at the quarterback position because these quarterbacks are demanding so much coming out of high school now. Like like in the situation of Jack Cuddle, we're like, Well, if you offer me and I commit and you offer somebody else, then I'm gonna, ho- I'm gonna open my commitment to, to to somewhere else, and I'll and I'll leave. And it's like, okay, well, I really want I really want this kid, like I really like him, and I guess I have to play by his rules right now. But it, it can lead to you missing somebody like Zach Wilson. But I, I, this is what I'll say that's really interesting, and I have some insight as to, you know, the recruiting of Cam Cooper recruiting of Zach Wilson and so just take this in general terms but um, I know for a fact a kid that was offered by almost every school around the country and you know when I talked to Ed Larson the head coach at Lehigh about this he's like oh yeah this is totally true he said there was only three coaches and there was you know Cam Cooper had I don't know, I'm, I'm, I I want to say he had over 50 major Division One offers, right? He says there was only three schools who really did their homework, who came and, and they said, how is he off the field? How is he, you know, as a teammate? Is he about the team or is he about himself? How is his work ethic? How Like there was only three coaches out of 50 that actually came and did their homework and wanted to know, and dig a little bit deeper into the character of the kid. So I think that's really, really ironic in a world where so much weight is put on the quarterback position that there's some schools that aren't really doing um, their homework. They're just playing the Me Too game. Oh, oh, who offered? Oh, yeah, we got to offer him too, right? And so there's this whole keeping up with the Joneses that happens in the NCAA that sometimes – causes you to miss, and causes you to miss in recruiting, and I, I, I'm still not very impressed with recruiting as as much as you want to call it scientific, as much as you want to call it and, you know, I love Gary Anderson's quote, he says, you know, you if, you're, if you land one out of four recruits, you're a terrible recruiter, and if you land two out of four you're an unbelievable recruiter. And so the, the threshold for being a good recruiter is two out of the four will pan out for you. And I And I think that's interesting. I think that just shows that it's still a little bit of a difficult situation. And unless you're really able to do your homework on every kid, it's difficult.
0: Riley Jensen, our College Football Insider, joining us. So uh, Zach Wilson's putting up huge numbers, looking good. Some of it's got to be the competition, right? I mean, certainly the competition isn't what it was expected to be. But at the same time, You see draft lists, and man, he is top five in multiple draft lists. So clearly NFL people are seeing something they like regardless of the competition. What are you seeing in all of that? And are you surprised when you see him pop up in a top five? I've seen him fifth in one, second in another.
3: Uh, I'm not surprised from the sense that Zach's a football rat. Like This guy has wanted to be a quarterback for a long time. He looks like a quarterback. He talks like a quarterback. He acts like a quarterback. But here's here's where, I, where where I'll say that NFL guys are looking at it and going, "Oh, geez, right." So there's there's certain times where he'll roll out of the pocket and he'll make a throw that I don't care if it's Alabama. I don't care who it is. He he can make the throw, right? And then there's just there's that there's there's the swagger there's You know, I always talk about, like, if I were to, like, cut the rest of the TV off and I just look at the quarterback, I can almost tell whether it's a completion just by his body language and the way that he attacked the throw. Um, Without even looking at the throw, you can almost go, oh, yeah, that's a completion. Oh, no, that's not a completion. And I don't know what the body language is when I look at it. But Zach has that body language that almost every single time he throws the ball, I'm like, oh my gosh, that's going to be a completion. Oh, that's a completion. The body language tells me that's a completion. And as a result, it's up near 80% in completions, which is just off the chain good. I don't care what level of football that is. And I know that the schedule has not been um, fantastic, but he's doing all the things that a great quarterback would do against lesser competition. Now, I will say this. we will say this. Dax Milne... Um, some of these receivers, Gunnar Romney, you know, the tight ends, Mason Wake, these guys are also reminding me a lot of the BYU teams of old where they catch everything. I mean, yes, this is not to take away from Zach at all, but I think we got to give a little bit of credit, you know, to, to the coaching down there, to Coach Sataki, the wide receivers coach, and to this wide receiver core. I mean, there's catches by Dax and I mean, I know it seemed like a little thing, but they did a little crossing route over the middle last game. It was way behind him. He reaches his hand back, just catches the tip of the ball, and gets him nine yards and a completion without anyone even hardly saying anything on TV. And, and I mean, uh, Andre Ware, all he's ever going to talk about is freaking Zach Wilson. But I'm starting to notice how good this wide receiver core is and how great of catches they actually make. And I think it would be really fun to play with with this receiving core. They remind me of the the Andy Boyces, the Eric Drages, the Bryce Domans of the past that run really, really good routes, and they catch everything. And as a quarterback, I know I've talked about this with you guys before. When I was throwing to Kevin Curtis at Snow College, his catching radius was off the charts. Like he could catch, I mean, within 12 feet of him, he was going to catch the ball. And all of a sudden, as a quarterback, it makes you more confident. And all of a sudden, I start throwing the ball on the money to Kevin Curtis because I know that I don't have to be perfect. And that's what happens with these wide receivers is you don't have to be perfect to Dax Milne or Gunnar Romney or some of these guys that are catching the ball for you. And all of a sudden, you start putting everything on the money because there's no pressure to be perfect. And so I, I just wanted to give a little bit of a you know acknowledgement to this wide receiver core because they've been very good, they've been very solid, and I think that helps Zach Wilson to to throw an even higher percentage than maybe he would have in the past.
2: Knowing what you know of DJ Riley, do you think he would prefer a PBU or a PB and J?
3: And I'm in no position to to criticize people who like PBJs, but I think, a kid. All PB. I think we all love. I think we all love a PBU. We all love a PBU.
0: I tell you this right now, and this is critical, and I'm not kidding about this. Despite the fact PK's, PK's if it's peanut butter and jelly, I'm out. If it's peanut butter and jam, I'm in. The jelly oh, is strained and has no fruit chunks. I'm about think, the jam. I,
3: you know what? I, I think this is this is a serious conversation. Dang right it what is. I want, what I want to do is I want to I want to add a little flavor to you. Like what, what do you think about peanut butter and honey? Negative. 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 You're negative. It's didn't a no
0: go. No, no, I decided I peanut work. butter and honey a long time ago. Mom got all healthy and tried to hook me on that when I was ten. Dad came in, grabbed the strawberry jam, (laughs) slathered it on the bread. When you squeeze the sandwich, I don't want a big gob coming out of my hand. That's gross. But I want a little bit leaking around the side.
3: Gotcha. Gotcha. I'm with you with the peanut butter jelly, but I probably grow a little bit of peanut butter and honey sandwich every once
0: in a while. Ma, is it World War II? You're just changing the color of the bread. Let's put a little jam on there. Come on now.
3: Wow. No, well, I had to
0: hear it. My parents were just old enough I heard about rationing during World War II. Stop it already.
3: It. We all heard about it. Oh, my body.
0: gosh. <laughs> but,
3: but, dude, I didn't know peanut butter and honey was a rationing thing. It
0: tastes pretty good. No, that's a health food thing. That was mom just trying to get super healthy with me. Dad's like, yeah, <laughs> a few time. grams of sugar, whatever. Here. <laughs> Have some jam. Add a kid, Dad. Add a kid gobs of it coming out of my hand. No, no, that's gross. Out. That's gross. I don't want that. That's gross. It's not, It's disgusting. Oh my god. Chunky's but a little bit horrible. leaking out the side, that's no big so deal.
3: One more question, one yeah. more question. Creamy peanut butter or chunky peanut butter?
0: Chunky, obviously. Oh, no, Please. Man, good
3: call. Good call, man. You're, <laughs> not you're creamy nonsense.
0: Heart. Oh yeah. Discuss this with my chunky wife. Chunky
2: somehow for DJ seems appropriate, doesn't yeah, it,
0: Roddy? kid. Fat humor. Thank you. Body shaming. <laughs> All right. Wow. Yeah. I meant in the peanut butter. Whatever. Wow. I don't think you did. Wow, but PK. That's your
3: mistake. That's your wow, yep. That's, there it is. That's, that's, that's
2: uh, wouldn't it be appropriate for him to eat, eat chunky? That's all. I mean, you guys extrapolate in areas that are not intended. Shame on you.
0: All about the chunky peanut butter. All right, there it is. We broke down the peanut butter and jam, and the quarterback play at BYU, and somehow they go together like peanut butter and jam. Not jelly, jam. All right, thank you, Riley. We appreciate it. Thanks, guys. Love being on your show. All right, there he is, Riley Jensen, our college football insider. Coming up, Yach has been running back and forth, doing double time, double time. Uh, The Utes are having their availability, checking in with some of the players. Kyle Whittingham is coming up. Uh, you know what are the I don't know if people know this PK you and I do because we went up there and talked to him and we were midway through the interview and we just looked at each other and like well young and he's not young anymore but at that point young Nick Ford is a talker he's a good interview uh, he's up today so we can talk to the uh, hear from the Ute offensive alignment as their availability continues as they continue the countdown to November seventh and the opener with Arizona that's coming up in the nine o'clock hour stay with us nothing else matters fellas every day we go to work football is back and the
1: zone sports network has you covered as the cougars continue to bulldoze through their schedule and the utes and aggies get set for the start of their season We gotta go faster faster nobody will bring you better coverage of your team than the zone sports network this is your home of the best college football coverage in utah turn
0: me up all day 975-1280 the zone in the zone sports network this is top of the wire update brought to you by Action Plumbing Heating and Electrical. Spring into action now mention this ad and receive $33 off any service. Call Action today at 801-833-3333. That's 801-833-3333. So we just had Riley Jensen our uh, college football insider on and when he pulls back the uh, the curtain on the world of recruiting, <laughs> don't you just have to laugh, VK? I mean, my gosh, they're spending a lot. Of, there's a lot of people spend a lot of time and money on this there's still a lot of guesswork and everybody's so insecure. Well, not everybody, but a lot of people are so insecure that they're just basically copying off the kid next to them whether well, the kid next to them is going to do any good on the test or not.
2: Well, yeah, you got to know who to cheat from. I mean, believe me, I speak from experience. You don't <laughs> want to just cheat from anybody. You're right. Well, recruiting is so funky. I mean, I've told this story of Matt Harpering and he was lighting it up in Atlanta and Kremen's called him off a baseball field and said, get in my office. And sa- he said to him, Matt told me this story, sitting there I was eating a meal with Matt, and he told me the story directly that uh, Kremen's brought him in, saying he was getting a bunch of heat. And This was his, Matt's end of his – he was playing baseball his senior year. So, you know, that's in the spring after uh, basketball season, obviously. And he said that uh, Kremen's told him, yeah, I'm going to give you a scholarship because I'm getting heat for not offering a local kid. I'm going to give you a scholarship, but don't you can come here, but don't expect to play. And, and Harpering started all four years, started the very first game as a freshman, started all four years and goes on and has a pretty good NBA career. So you, you, there's a lot of that going on, and we've heard that. I've heard from guys tell me in the business – that, yeah, once SC offers you, if you're a three-star, all of a sudden you become a (laughs) four-star. And Bronco, with the uh, pizza delivery guy's uh, comment that he used. And I was just looking up uh, the other day, I don't even remember why, Uh, Brian Johnson was uh, considered at best a two-star quarterback coming out of Texas. And I've been around a lot of quarterbacks, and I've never, ever been around as good of a leader as Brian Johnson. Ever. At the, at the college level. The kid. And you've been around him a million times yourself. Yep. And, you know, I mean, he just had so much magnetism and charisma. And, uh, and
0: by 2008, yeah. it's like he had everything figured out and yeah. everybody in you know, the palm of his hand. The confidence. Right. When you talk to him, he oozed confidence. And you could be thinking, well, you guys have talked to a lot of people, so you know. But I haven't. How would I know? You'll just have to trust us. You would have known. It was yeah. not a hard read.
2: And he, how do you judge that? And— Recruiting is is so, so slimy. <laughs> uh, I mean, yesterday, Yach brought it to my attention. Uh, some kid uh, out of Wisconsin decommitted from ASU. Well, I went and looked it up. They had two decommits yesterday from the state of Wisconsin. And from what I can gather, it's basically ASU said, we don't want
0: you anymore. Uh, so, Were they recruiting one kid to get the second, and then when the big star decommitted, they didn't want the other kid? No, I think both of them, they didn't want, they
2: didn't want, the, that made, made it sound, I don't know this, but they got other kids who they think were going to be better, oh, okay. or they want to use yeah. the scholarships elsewhere. Yeah. And, and I was told literally on this dart kid, he wants, a, a recruiter wants to see him commit to SC to see if they'll accept the commitment <laughs> when they've already offered the scholarship. Yeah, He's but like, makes... just go ahead and go ahead and commit. You don't have to keep your commitment, but just put the bind back on them. Yeah,
0: because there's no reason for them when you only have 25 scholarships. You don't need to be signing that many quarterbacks. <laughs> so you only have right. 25, and you may not even have the 25 because of the 85 rule. You know, but at most you have 25. Now you might have 22 or 20. You know, it just depends. Uh, yeah, it's pretty fascinating. It, it's pre- and there's so much at stake. But I think legitimately. The story Riley tells, like, okay, Zach can't put on weight because basically he's playing football and basketball. He's playing sports year-round, and he's just burning too many calories to gain weight when he stops playing basketball. So, but he becomes a late bloomer, and most people have already committed. And you mentioned the Yahoo story, and it goes into the flurry of late offers as uh, people are doubling back because they realize, hey, this kid is, uh, you know, he's a late bloomer, he's improving, and we need somebody. So, you know, from Baylor to Iowa, there are all kinds of schools getting thrown out in that story. All right, DJ and PK coming up. Uh, Yach has been listening to Utah Football Availability. Kyle's coming up, right, Yach? Yeah, we're going to play Nick Ford and then Kyle Whittingham. Okay, DJ and PK, it's 97.5 and 12.80 The Zone. Utes, we're checking in with you next. Is the O-line really that good? We'll talk with Nick Ford coming up or hear from Nick Ford coming up. Stay with us.